On this week's episode of Menopause Matters, Suzanne and Valerie will be interviewing Taylor Sittler, co-founder and CEO of The Cusp. The Cusp is a leading telemedicine service for women in perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. Hello and welcome to Menopause Matters. This is a weekly podcast designed for women and her post-reproductive years, specifically perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. Uh, We're very grateful to have you here listening in. We are your hosts. I am Valerie Williamson. And I'm Suzanne Boutillier. We both work here at The Cusp, and like you, we're navigating our own menopause journeys. And we started this podcast to bust the myths and taboos of menopause and to provide a resource and a a community, really, for women in the second half of our lives. And honestly, this can be the best part of our lives if we address menopause head on. When we take control of this transition, we can manage our symptoms and we can set ourselves up for long-term health. Absolutely. And uh, that's the goal, right? We all want to live long, healthy lives and not have all of this, you know, sort of crap spinning around and Spinning is out of control. So each week, we're going to have special guests. And these guests are expert in post-reproductive care. And that's our goal. We want to really bring the conversation of menopause out in the open. We've noticed that we are all comfortable as we were growing up, like discussing things that happen to our bodies during puberty and during our childbearing years. I mean, my God, how many times did I walk around complaining about like being pregnant and all the symptoms of that, right? Or cramps. Or cramps. Yeah, absolutely. And we all have like remedies for that. And we all like have a community around that and an understanding. But once we get to our perimenopause and our menopause years, for some reason, we clam up. We actually like close in on ourselves. We try to handle these things on our own. And we, or we pretend it just isn't happening, right? And that's just the worst part of it. But even, even worse is some women just don't even recognize that what they're feeling are symptoms of perimenopause or menopause. And that's what we're here to sort of educate on, right? Exactly. I, I had no idea that these random things, seemingly unrelated things that were happening in my body had anything to do with each other that's right. and had anything to do with, with menopause. And, and, you know, also there's like, there's that, you mentioned that this element of denial, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm too young for this. <laughs> I don't want to shrivel up. I'm, I'm only in my forties and, and I'm not ready to expire. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But and I think part of it is that uh, we've been thinking of menopause as an ending, the end of reproduction, reproductive years. And, and if you think about it that way, yeah, it's really unappealing. Endings are never any fun, right? Yeah. But what you and I and a lot of other people have discovered is that menopause also like opens this door to, to really a whole new experience of what it means to be a woman. Yeah. And, 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 you know, my experience is totally different than your experience is totally different than anyone else's experience. But when we embrace these changes in our bodies, we can actually feel really empowered. Yeah, totally. I think that's great. And that's why we're here, right? We're here to embrace these changes. We're here to talk about them. We're here to bring it out in the open. As you said earlier, Suzanne, bust some myths, break these taboos, right? So we want to bring experts to the table, like I said, each week, and uh, we're gonna, they're going to help us embrace this and talk about this. 
and really deal with this journey that we're all going through head on without shame and do it openly and honestly. And that's why we're here. So Suzanne, tell us, tell us who we have here with us. Yeah, well, we do have an expert here with us and we're really excited to um, speak with might be a little strange that it's a guy that you see uh, on our screen. This is, this is, uh, <laughs> but it's a wonderful guy. Um, uh, and he knows a lot about menopause. So I'd like to introduce you to our guest today, who's the CEO and co-founder of The Cusp, Dr. Taylor Sittler. Thank you for being here. We're glad you're here. Yeah. And we, what I want to do is talk with him about why he, why this guy started a menopause company. Uh, so why he started the cusp and why it's so important for women to take charge of their uh, menopause transition. Yes. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. So excited that you are doing this. Taylor, and, you're also uh, a pathologist, right? And you are the co-founder of color genomic. Yeah. So my background is sort of a mix of uh, software and medicine. Um, I've been a programmer since I was about eight years old and uh, have done some work in uh, informatics, in um, sequence analysis, and infectious disease, and pathology, and then um, genetics prior to um, starting the cusp and really focusing on menopause, hormones, and midlife care. Tell us about the cusp. Yeah, absolutely. So the cusp is a service dedicated to helping women navigate menopause and the journey into midlife. Um, there's a, we pro, I mean, just very quickly, we provide uh, education, information, and diagnostics um, in order to help women better understand what it is that's happening and where they are in this transition. Mm -hmm. And we provide uh, treatments and remedies, both natural and medical, uh, to help them then feel better during this transition. And once they're through the transition, help them really uh, prepare for midlife and you know optimize their health. Because uh, like puberty, uh, menopause brings with it changes that uh, impact your health. Um, it's, they're, they're less welcome changes than the changes that come in puberty, um, but it's equally important to know about them uh, and to do something about them. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I created the CUSP. The main reason that I got involved, or I guess the, the reason I became aware of this as an as a issue was at Color Genomics was a genetic test for breast and ovarian cancer risk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, our early adopters were women between the ages of 35 and 55, roughly. They take care of kids. They take care of parents. Um, they are the sort of, they value health very much. And they are a segment that, as I came to learn, uh, has been left behind by the medical system in a number of different ways. I did a, a special uh, in San Diego a couple of years with a woman who had purchased our test very early on, um, who's a, a, you know, an amazing woman. She, she was 35 years old, um, had two kids, and um, knew that she had a risk of breast cancer in her family and had really been fighting to get the test. She, I think one of her aunts had died of breast cancer and she had a sister who had breast cancer. Yeah. And, um, her insurance had denied her testing three times. And at that time, the, the testing cost $4,000. Um, when she saw that color had come out, um, color dropped the cost down to $250 so she could actually afford it. So she took the test, found out that she in fact did have a high risk of cancer. Uh, and as part of her workup and in conjunction with her doctor, had her ovaries removed. Mm -hmm. um, at, at which point she found out that she had stage two ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. 
Now, if she hadn't had her ovaries out, she probably would have died of ovarian cancer. Um, that about eighty percent chance. Uh, and so, this was a really powerful lesson in the way that the healthcare system really fails women who are proactive. They're looking to, and they're and they're actually even willing to invest in their own health, um, which you know a lot of people are not. And so, uh, I felt that it was really important to ad- address this this group of women. Um, who have traditionally been left behind. And so the cusp was, you know, when I, when I started looking into the, the problems that women this age have, um, didn't have to look very far to come across menopause. In the, in, even though it's still underserved, uh, over the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of growth in companies that are helping women with the journey through fertility, um, whether it's IVF, uh, dealing with a number of different conditions that relate to fertility and helping helping support women through that journey. Um, we really haven't seen any movement uh, in helping women after their fertility years. And we're talking about half of life here, right? I mean, it's 40, 40 plus. So yeah. Yeah. That, that was the reason that I got involved in the space is it felt like a massive need that was not being served by our medical community and um, so we needed to do something about it. I'd love to follow up on that a bit. It seems that women have been getting short shrift in the medical world for a long time, maybe since the beginning. Can you talk a little bit about why that is? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think some of it is probably intentional and, and some of it is probably unintentional. Um, medicine, like many other fields, evolves over time through innovation right? Uh, Many innovators solve problems that they themselves have. And in fact, for most of history, medicine has been dominated by men. Uh, And and so many of the medical discoveries that were made prior to say the 1970s were for men by men. Um, And they, they happened to help women, but they were made by men for men. And that remains today in, in, you know, once innovation and uh, becomes institutionalized in the way it has in the medical industry, you get things like, um, you know, there's been a lot written recently about how studies are predominantly involving men instead of involving women. And, you know, a particularly egregious example was a, um, a drug that was supposed to enhance women's libido in which the, you know, the majority of, of the, um, the clinical trial participants were men which makes absolutely no sense, but that's the way that we've done things and that's the way that things continue. Now that is beginning to change. Um, some of it, I think, I hope anyway, is, is because I think men are becoming aware of the issue. Uh, a big part of the reason is because women are more present in medicine. In my medical school class, actually, it was the first or second year that there were more women in, than men. Oh, wow. um, back in 2002, I think. Mm-hmm. So now we have a, a stronger force of women who are physicians, who are innovating in the space, and who are making the difference. And I think we've seen in recent years a number of really great women's health companies led by women um, that are making a difference. That's amazing. And yeah, you know, you really think about it, like all of those studies done by men for men, uh, sort of frustrating. I love men, by the way, but it's really, really <laughs> yeah, frustrating. Yeah, no, I mean, we could, have, we could have thought a little bit more outside the box. Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. definitely. I've, I've also heard about this concept of bikini medicine, where um, women and our bodies have been treated like men only with breasts and vaginas. 
And yeah. what, what's being found is actually there's a lot more different about us than our breasts and our vaginas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, genetically speaking, we're, we're very different, actually. Um, that, that difference of the X and Y chromosome uh, is massive. Uh, and, and of course, you know, from birth, there are a number of different, diff- a number of differences that become very important. Um, some of the biggest differences actually involve hormones, which is sort of one of the main things that we deal with in this transition into menopause. How your body responds to hormones, what hormones are produced, the fluctuations in hormones and cycles, um, those are very different between women and men. And those things are not often taken into account or not taken into account enough. Um, I mean, it's interesting that you know, birth control pills have been around since the 60s, and yet there has been remarkably little innovation in making them better for women, in addressing the different combinations of hormones, how they're put together. Yeah, no, I think there are in a number of ways women and men are very different. Yeah, yeah. And even how we metabolize some medications, isn't that also true? Like they, like yeah, they do for sure. I mean, often with males <laughs> when they're testing new medications and, and it could be, it could have a very different response in a female body. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, there's, there's a, there's a variety of ways that, you know, different people um, process different medications. And the, the biggest difference is the effect that those medications can have. You know, one of the things that we've seen very recently is that cardiovascular medications, for instance, work differently in women than in men. Statins, I think, has been the, one of the recent topics where, you know, we're still dealing with disparities in terms of prescription patterns, which is causing some of this issue. Women are not prescribed these medications as often as men are in the appropriate situation. Um, but they also do respond differently to them. Another example is um, heart attacks. Uh, you know, one of the sort of classic things that we have trained entire emergency workforces to deal with, uh, women respond to very differently. The questions that you ask a woman who's having a heart attack should be different than the questions that you ask a man. The classic for a man is sort of this pain here with a radiating pattern down the left arm. Women don't often experience that. Um, Women have different symptoms. And so, yes, I think for much of medicine, even though we haven't acknowledged it, women and men are different and we need to take that into account. Taylor, going back to a little bit about what you were saying about the cusp, you mentioned at the at the top, like that it's from diagnostic all the way through treatment and care. Can you sort of take us through what that looks like for women like Suzanne and I, like that diagnostic through the treatment and care? Absolutely. I think where where a woman begins to interact with the cusp kind of depends on where she is in her journey. Mm-hmm. Um, for many, it it's right now it's earlier in the process, so it's you know, in perimenopause, starting to feel the symptoms, not quite sure what's happening. Um, generally, the best uh, path for women in that category would be to take our uh, hormone test. So we have an at-home hormone test um, that we can ship directly to your house. Um, it's It takes, you know, 20 minutes or so. And then we can provide her information about her time, the time that she can expect to her final menstrual period, so she can understand how long this process might be for her, as well as some educational information about what to expect going through menopause, both the symptoms, how they change, as well as the medical conditions that she needs to watch out for once she goes through menopause with the concomitant drop in estrogen. Um, after that, we have our main healthcare service, 
in which she can, you know, speak with our clinicians over video visit. It's all done through telehealth. So it's uh, much more convenient than a traditional doctor's office appointment. Then she'll be, you know, once she's initially, she'll have between a 30 and 45 minute visit with a clinician to really understand both uh, where she's coming from and what her needs are. Uh, and then from there, they'll together make a treatment plan um, where she can try supplements, she can try uh, prescription medications or hormones or some combination. Uh, and then we typically will follow up with her over a period of two weeks to two months. Um, and and uh, because there's been so little work uh, done in this area, it's difficult to find the right condition or the right treatment off the bat. And so typically it takes a couple of tries. And that's why it's so important to have that back and forth with your clinician. Uh, and that can all be done through our app. So we have a chat function that's fully HIPAA compliant and, and secure where she can interact with us. Once we have gotten her to the point where her she's feeling better, she's feeling more confident, she's got a better quality of life, um, the symptoms are, are hopefully resolved, but at least better, then we can start thinking about how she can uh, help optimize her health and prevent some of the conditions that are associated with, um, or that, that she becomes at risk for once she goes through menopause. Yeah. And I want to get to that for sure. Like those, those, those risks, but you know, when I first started out, I was looking for a set it and forget it sort of solution. Right. And you're just, you know, what you come to realize is that there is no set it and forget it for women going through perimenopause and menopause, because like you just said, we do change our, our situations and our symptoms and our, and our conditions change because of those hormonal changes. So yeah, so no set it and forget it, ladies. I'm so sorry. I mean, I tried. <laughs> so you were just starting to go into some of those longer term um, health issues. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Like why that focus on those healthier outcomes and let's avoid Let's avoid some of those issues that will happen later in life if you don't take care of your perimenopause and menopause now. Can you? Put some of yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to address your set it and forget it issue, yeah. we, um, that's part of the reason also that we've developed this app, which allows you to communicate with our team at any time because those symptoms do change and therefore your treatments need to change. And we're ready to navigate and move with you um, as soon as things do change. And we find that women who are on our, on our service and able to um, you know, rapidly communicate with the team are able to get relief from those changes much more quickly. Um, and we're always working to improve that. So that is a key part of the service. Once, like I was saying, once she gets into um, the, the, basically the drop in estrogen that happens uh, concomitantly or actually a little before the final menstrual period, the, her basic metabolism changes, and while the the sort of the the sex hormone levels become constant in the body, this drop in estrogen, women in general lose between ninety five and ninety nine percent of their estrogen production um, over that wow. over it, the course of perimenopause. Yeah. Um, that really changes the way that a number of different tissues function in the body, and it has a major impact on me metabolism. Um, the upshot of that is that women become and, and these risks have been established for 20 plus years, but are not well communicated in general. They're just sort of attributed to aging. Um, the risks of cardiovascular disease, mm -hmm. of diabetes, um, and, and now we're seeing potentially also of Alzheimer's disease go up mm. significantly, mm -hmm. all of which really is related to these changes in metabolism. Women office, often notice weight gain. They'll notice that it's much more difficult to, um, even with lots of exercise, to keep weight off. 
And that's because the basic metabolism has changed. And so really being able to proactively address that change um, helps them, I think, not only feel better about themselves, but then, you know, minimize the risk of developing these things that um, become a real problem for a lot of women in in midlife. I mean, two out of three women, or sorry, two out of three people with Alzheimer's disease are women. And it's thought that this is actually a big uh, part of that reason. Um, So... We've, what we're developing here is, you know, the, the longitudinal part of our care is really dedicated to making, to helping women underst- first understand what these risks are and then make diet, lifestyle, and other changes in order to uh, avoid those diseases. And it, it, really, it really is sort of a partnership that we have to uh, enter into, it seems, because it's not like there's a pill for that or there's a patch for that. Um, as you mentioned Taylor, it's, it's, it's kind of a three-pronged attack that we have to take to maintain our best health at, after a certain point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think it is very much a partnership. This is the time in life, both for women and men, frankly, where you need to start taking your health a little bit more seriously and the daily choices that you make have an impact. Um, our service is here to help actually quantify that a little bit. So you can understand whether the diet you tried or the lifestyle change you made actually had an impact on your health over time. And um, <clears throat> to then provide the additional services that women need um, if, you know, if and when they're ready to continue to make those changes. Um, because, you know, there, you, you, you know, if you don't make those changes, you, the, the choice is I can either change my diet and lifestyle or I can eventually take a pill. Do you want to take a statin or do you want to make a lifestyle change? We're here to provide both, um, and, but, and we can help you measure how you're doing. But, um, but it is important to, to start paying attention to it. Yeah. And yeah. I think this is where it's so important to have your community of people who are going through similar things because I don't know about you guys, I'm terrible at lifestyle change. I'm, I, I love my rut. I'm comfortable in my rut yeah. and for me to change and then stick with that change is super hard and I can't do it by myself. No, uh-uh. absolutely not. Uh, you need somebody to sort of help you, right? Like, come on, you can do it. It's not just that cheerleader in your, in your camp, but it's more, they're going through the same thing that you're going through and there's that empathy part. And then also that, that part of like, you know, come on, we can do this. We can do it together. I agree. Like you need that community. Yeah, with someone to go out and take that extra walk with during the day or someone to like not make you feel bad because you're not going out for a drink because eh, I'm yeah. trying to cut down on that. And um, it just, it's hard to do it without support. So to me, my like menopausal buddies are among the most important in my life. Yeah, completely. That's yeah. really great. How, how did, do you mind if I ask you all a question? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Um, how did you all come to find the your your menopause community or the the groups that you uh, talk with on a daily basis or weekly, you know, whatever that that your cadence is? You know, I'll I'll jump in. I I was pretty lucky in that um, a couple of my dearest friends started going through menopause a couple years before me, so um, I had a little bit of a uh, I had some people waving flags saying, look out for this, look out for that. Um, they had a really rough time in menopause uh, or in per- perimenopause. And I had a slightly less, less rough time, but because they were vocal about it and they weren't ashamed or worried about um, 
uh, grossing anybody out when uh, when they talked about it. I gathered some information from them, so I didn't feel quite so alone. So I could share my stuff that was a little bit gross or uh, uncomfortable to talk about with people I knew and trusted. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, a lot of women that I've talked to have talked have talked about the impact of their mother on on their journey. Um, my mom was a little less you know, upfront about it. And also she went through and had a hysterectomy earlier. So uh, my mother and my older sister both did. And so I didn't have that, like that, you know, familial connection to be able to talk to about it. But I've always been a pretty open person. So I would just talk to my girlfriends and start bringing these things up. And I I was that catalyst, Suzanne, for my friend group, right? So I was the one that was like, what the is happening to my body right now. I bleed all the time. I, my periods are weird. Like, and I have this one girlfriend who, you know, every little thing, she's like the Woody Allen of women. Right. And in, in the health way, the hypochondria way, Woody Allen. <laughs> Sorry, just want to make that clear, but she, she is just like, you know, Google MD. Right. And so she would come in. She was like, wow, I think what you're going through is like, it, could this be menopause? And I'm like, you no way you know so but it was through that through me sort of bringing my what was happening to me to the forefront with my girlfriends that we all started sort of investigating and looking together but but it takes that I think to Suzanne's point with your friend group it's that catalyst of somebody who either has been through it before right but I, but I have found that women are becoming more and more open about talking about it. They really are searching for answers. They're understanding that they're not alone in this. Um, and that's the main thing I always try to get across to women is that you're not alone in this. And I think that's important is that, Suzanne, you're right, that community just becomes this really critical part of having to get through this in a, in a comfortable way. That and also having a doctor that you trust, Right who's a partner in your care, who is going to spend the time with you and really understand what's going on with you. You know, I love my OBGYN. I absolutely love her and I'm sure she's listening. And if you are, I love you. You're great. But she only has 15 minutes for me. So Taylor with the cusp, how, how does that interaction happen with women? I mean, I know for me, cause I'm also a cusp patient, but. Yeah, well, I, th- I think what, you know, what we found in general um, I mean, at this point, we've talked to lots and lots of women who have gone through this, and many of them are not able to find a physician that they're happy with. Yeah. Um, you know, their their primary care doc doesn't know anything about it. I think eighty percent of OBGYNs receive no medical training in it. So, you know, a lot of women will go to their OBGYN because it's the that's the person that they expect to to help them out. So, you know. I guess the reason I say that is if you don't have a trusted partner in a physician right now, don't worry about it. That's a very common thing. Um, And that's what we've really tried to become is that trusted partner that you can go to initially for information and then to help personalize your care at those multiple time points where you need it. Um, And you may not need it for a couple of months and that's fine. Um, But then whenever, whenever, the way that we do it at the cusp is we start with an in-depth video visit so you can really get to know the clinician and the clinician can really get to know you um, and then the way that it works internally at the cusp is um, for any you know any issue that a woman faces 
Um, she can text us about it at any time. We can schedule a follow-up video visit if it's necessary. And that clinician will go out and talk to any of the other specialists that they need to to find out additional information if they need it. Um, so you, as an individual, don't have to go seeking out five or six doctors, right? You don't have to go to your your primary care doc and get a God, referral yeah. to an endocrinologist or a referral to a cardiologist. All of that happens internally at the cusp. You can reach out and say, look, this is the issue that I'm seeing, or this is what I'm worried about. Um, that clinician goes out and essentially is your advocate among the other clinicians that we have here. We pulled together a number of different specialists related to menopause. And then we can come back and provide you that best care. And if it really comes to it, uh, and, and you know we're not able to solve that issue, we can bring together multiple specialists and have a, a single kind of a powwow with you uh, to help you under, to help understand what's going on and really come to the best solution. It's amazing. So we're, we're going to wrap up in a bit, but we have a couple of last questions for you. Suzanne, we're still trying to wrap our head about that one thing about like the guy. That the guy, the I know. <laughs> yeah. So you are a guy and you founded a menopause company. What do you look for or like, where do you look for motivation or inspiration to make this work to make this happen. It's not like you have firsthand experience in menopause. No, no, definitely not. I mean, um, I look to you all (laughs) (laughs) and, you know, the many other women that um, we've talked with to provide guidance um, as a starting point. I mean, when we started the company, we went out and talked with uh, hundreds of different women uh, to really understand the, the journey and to understand what the primary issues were that they were facing. Before I started the cusp, I was I actually looked to my mom a bit for inspiration. So she um, she had a difficult time going through menopause. Um, she's always had uh, autoimmune issues and um, got really bad vertigo actually as she was uh, going into the transition, and it didn't stabilize until she had an estrogen patch. So I just remember days where she was you know in, lying in bed because she couldn't get up because the world would spin and she would fall over. So, uh, you know, that's, that was, I guess, my initial understanding of how bad menopause could be and the, you know, my inspiration. I think now there's just as a, as a physician, I think, you know, you go into medicine to help people. And when you see a problem this big that needs to be solved, it's not hard to find inspiration to keep going to solve it. Um, I, I really feel like this is a chance for us to change the way that we practice medicine, to do it in a better and more streamlined way, and to really address an issue that, you know, has been ignored for a long time. Yeah. We've, we've done a great job at developing medicine that, that serves men well. Now let's start with medicine that serves women well, and we'll bring men into the fold. Uh, I think over time, what we do at the cusp will apply to men. Hormonal health is an issue that men face as well as when they get older. They just don't have the dramatic swings that women do. Um, in fact, the d- disease risks that men face are from some of the same mechanisms. So drop in est- drop, drops in estrogen with men um, put them at higher risk of disease as well. So, um, but yeah, it's not hard to find inspiration for a problem this big. Yeah. Well, we're, we're glad you found it. I mean that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm glad I found you all. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You don't mean that. Come on. Um, <laughs> some, some days you probably don't mean that, but that's okay. So I'm going to ask you a fun, my, what I call the Barbara Walters special question, which is if you could go through menopause 
which symptoms do you think you would least like to experience? Good question. Oh man. That Suzanne, that was your question. So it's I know that's why of course so. it's a good question. I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. It was like I when Suzanne uh, put this up, I was like, that's the Barbara Walters question. So, <laughs> so most of our listeners will understand when I make that reference. Yeah, no, definitely number one would be uh I'm just gonna say it, vaginal dryness and pain. Yes, that, oh my that God. would be horrible. It is, it is that, horrible. That would be like I, I would yeah, I don't I don't yeah, that would be the worst for sure. It, um, and I would stop at nothing to fix that. <laughs> yes, it is horrible, horrible, horrible. I agree. Yeah. It's lousy uh, if you're in a relationship. Eh, I don't care. I'm single. Yeah. I guess the second one would be sleep. I, if yeah. I, I mean, I'm experiencing a little bit of that now. We have yeah. a, a newborn, we've got a three month old. Thankfully, she sleeps well, but honestly, when she wakes up at midnight or 2 a.m., it's rough. Yeah. And I can't imagine having, you know, night sweats and waking up at 2 a.m. every night. That would drive me nuts. So, or the anxiety um, of the anxiety. It's not just the night sweats. It's anxiety that like wakes you up and having to pee. Yeah. Yeah. Everything wakes you up. Basically. Yeah. Everything wakes you up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So vaginal dryness, painful sex, and lack of sleep. Yes. Those are three really good symptoms to not want to have. You only have to choose one, but I love that you brought it. <laughs> Great. Um, well, good. Well, that about wraps it up. I mean, do you have any, anything else, Taylor, you'd like to say to our audience, like any, any other words of wisdom or anything else you'd like to leave us with before we uh, go into the wrap up? Uh, just, you know, thank you very much for having me really appreciate uh, being a part of this podcast and I'm excited to see where you all take it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, come check us out at the cusp. We're, we're here to really help women navigate menopause. And I think we've developed something that can, that really can provide value for you as you go through this journey. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm not just an employee. I'm a member. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's menopause club for women. Instead it is. Club it for is. Men. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, Taylor, uh, thank you so much. Taylor Sittler, uh, founder and CEO of The Cusp. Um, we're really grateful that you spent some time with us today talking about why you started The Cusp and talking about why uh, taking care of your health in your post-reproductive years is so important. Um, I think it's a great way to sort of kick everything off and uh, we're so grateful. And um, listeners, we're grateful to you. Thank you for joining our community. Thank you for being a part of this. We really sincerely hope that what we're giving you is a you know, some great education about menopause and the importance of caring for yourself. We're hoping that this is fun for you and that you find community. And just to know that you're not alone in this journey and that uh, we're here to walk alongside of you. And it's an honor to, to walk with all of you as you go through your menopause journey and your post-reproductive life. So we hope to be with you for a long time. Thank you, Suzanne. Yes, thank you so much. And um, I just really look forward to doing more of these and bringing you more inspiration and insight and comfort and more of a sense of community. So uh, we look forward to the next one with you. Yes. Thank you. And that's Menopause Matters because you matter. Thank you so much. <laughs>